waking big we mo my body's on fire Hell's <clears throat> on fire We smoke a big blood every morning <laughs> To get y'all niggas inspired Oh okay. oh, oh break that week with Wake me with be Mo yeah. We got some people in the house. We can't see them right here. We got in the house. We got Yaj. What up, Yaj? Good morning. Good morning. Um, missing my puppies. Good morning. Hey, man. What's up? Oh, man. I... What's up? I believe that missing my puppies is my uh, uh, former former student, Gary. And we just lost uh, one of our former clubmates. Um, I think a couple weeks ago, the funeral was funeral was yesterday it was kind of sad i just oh, actually man. pulled up a picture um i saw a picture of lavar uh the former team director well, i think now it's like the district team director some 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 amazing shit like that uh i see him getting put up a picture it was 2000 2012 2013 era man all the teens that came back man them kids is grown these yeah. cats is grown these cats is grown yeah. like it was beautiful to see them as teenagers and watch them grow up and catch crushes on each other and shit. That shit was cool. Well, these niggas grown now. And one of them yeah. lost their life, uh, unfortunately. And it, 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 it's a sad situation, but it, <clears throat> it reminds me, uh, as we celebrate her life, it still reminds me that, like, y'all are people. Like, y'all are humans, too. <laughs> yeah. Man, death is a motherfucker. Who else we got now? Rest I don't in peace. Today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who else we got now? Uh, Jess, too creative. That's that's Jess, Jess right? Hey! Yeah. Sh hey. Shannon. Always that one person in your life, my boo. What do you say? Shannon. Shannon. And Drew. What's up, Drew? What's up, baby? Gang, gang. Only Drew I recognize these days. Good morning and welcome back to Wednesday Will You Be Mo Yeah. That was not necessary. Got a couple things we want to talk about this morning. What you mean? Um Drew said, I recently found out African Americans have their own flag. Yo, I saw that shit. With the thing, with the little trident looking thing. I saw it, it was a uh, mm. I always thought it was the red, black, and green one, or is oh, that? Not that junk. That's like the Pan-African flag. Oh. There's an African-American flag. Since okay. when? I don't know since when, but I've seen it on the social media. I be on my social media too much, so I can't remember exactly who it was. But DM that joint to us real quick. Uh, Drew, uh, DM that joint over real fast. We also have Geronimo and... Geronimo! <laughs> and Izzy. <laughs> Iz! What's up, baby? Welcome back to Hawaii, baby, where you be... Uh, can you woo woo woo? Shababa, yeah. <laughs> you just hitting all the drops. <laughs> all the drops this morning. All the drops this morning. Okay. Tuesday and Thursday, eight a.m. ish. It's not eight. Eight a.m. ish. We we late today. Hey, no, we was on time this morning. Okay. okay? <laughs> we was on the time this morning. A few things we want to talk about this morning. Short man day. Good morning. Hey, what's up? What's that's cause and effects. Oh, nice. Impala. Hey. <laughs> What's up? I got your baby butt naked 
baby mama butt naked <laughs> cooking empanadas. Don't try me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Drew says since the 60s. Since the 60s? Right. That's wild. I think it's always late. That was 60 years ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was 60 goddamn years ago. <sighs> wow. Good morning, everybody. A few things we want to talk about this morning. The lady of the house is on the comments this morning. I, uh, if you haven't had a chance, uh, uh, check out the untold story of the malice in the palace. Yeah. Interesting conversation document uh, documentary episode, I guess, is only about an hour, hour and a half long. We definitely want to talk about some of that this morning. Definitely want to talk about Rihanna the Billionaire. Mm-hmm. Re-read the billion umbrellas under bills. We want to talk about her. And then yesterday, yesterday, I think yesterday or the day before, was the 48th anniversary of Cool Hurt's first party, uh, which is also known as the birth of hip-hop, 48 years ago. That's 48 crazy. years ago. So young. Hip-hop is so young. And Shaka Khan is still alive. Shaka Khan in the 60s or 70s. Either way, damn. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then that led me down a rabbit hole to realize that Beyonce is turning 40. Uh, all this all this stuff that has come out recently. We've seen uh, all the Ivy Park release stuff. She was on the, the cover of Harper Bazaar. Harper Bazaar? Mm-hmm. That's the name of the joint? Harper's Bazaar. Harper's Bazaar? Harper's yeah. Bazaar. <laughs> <laughs> How bizarre. How bizarre. Um, Can you see the... No. Uh, oh, Geronimo said he watched it yesterday and he has plenty of thoughts. I have plenty of thoughts as well as it comes to the malice in the palace. Uh, and let's make sure, because I ain't seen nobody say it. Actually. We make sure we say good morning <laughs> to the lady of the house. We Don't did. make me. Oh, okay. She's trying to quell my violence. Yeah. Already. Missing my puppies said it. Th- yeah. He said, good morning, so lady young of the man. house. Yeah. So you've been raised well. <laughs> you've been raised. I'm going to tell LeVar. <laughs> you've been raised well, son. That's what I'm talking about. Shit. Um, Can you read it? Yeah, the, the hip-hop book. Ah, the 79 with Cool Herc. That was the Brooklyn apartment complex. That would make it. Nah, see, I saw something yesterday said it was 73. You got you got it in the. Oh, I should. Right. Oh, one second, y'all. I got references. <laughs> right. One second. <laughs> Let's see here. Let's see here. Now, I have with me, I did not bring, plan to bring this up, but it's a wonderful collection of stories. It's called The Hip Hop Family Tree. Um, I believe it is black written. It is a, uh, a comic book adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like reading Rainbow right now. <laughs> Butterflies in the sky. This is a uh, comic book adaptation. You're Dr. Carr right now. I am Dr. Carr. <laughs> Ooh, yes. Yes. Uh, comic book adaptation of the story of hip hop. Let's see what they say is the beginning. Is that Let's the first set? First, first set. Value oh, one. Look at right. the other one over there too. I do. Don't you have two? No. Oh, my bad. They just one. Did one grow? Let's see here. <laughs> According to the Fantagraphics Treasury Edition of the Hip Hop Family Tree, on page one, it's the mid 1970s. Okay. Is what they say uh, in the dilapidated South Bronx, you are looking for fun. The only positive form of recreation would be to attend one of DJ Cool Hurts parties in a rec room located at 1520 Sedgwick Ave. So they say mid-1970s. Okay. So I don't know if there's a date, but I saw that the, what's the what's the black center in Harlem? 
The Schwamberg Center. No, I don't fuck the name up, y'all. I'm telling you, I'm really bad at the names. The Schwamberg Center. Uh, I think they tweeted out yesterday that, uh, or a couple days ago, that hip hop turned 48. So on the, I think on the most liberal level, when we start getting break beats, 1973. But when we start getting rappers and such, according to the the show that was on Netflix, that would come later. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. to rap a couple of seconds to catch up to the to the culture of hip hop. Yeah. So maybe we're seeing 1973, 1975 making hip hop. What's, 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 what drama so sad? Schwamberg. Schaumburg. Schaumburg. What'd I say? <laughs> Schwamberg. I don't Schwamberg. know. I don't know what you said the first time. Schwarme. <laughs> Schwarma. Schwarma. Um, Schwanson's Frozen Fruit Center. <laughs> Jesus. Terrible with names. That's why they won't let me be a doctor. This won't, that's why they won't let me be a historian. <laughs> because I fuck names up. Okay? Damn. <laughs> Uh, good morning, y'all. Good morning. Monty. Monty, Monty. <laughs> good, morning, right. good morning. And I mean, um, Monty has been on the show enough. I feel like you get a theme song. Yeah. You've been on the show, what, 12 times? 12. We got <laughs> to get Wake and Bake with Bebo Night membership pledges, one, and membership rings. Dakota rings. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Hell, yeah. <laughs> Before I put up this wonderful book, Butterfly in the Sky, I want to show you some of the wonderful things in the back. Drew, I think you really fuck with this if you already don't have the situation. Yeah, he said he needs to get that. Yeah, it's got wonderful posters in the back, you know what I mean? Beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think this one, I'm trying to get so you can see. This is what, that's Snoop, that's not DMX, hold on, wrong dog. That's KRS-One, right? And Snoop? That's KRS-One. Salt and Pepper got a dope little situation in here. All different, differently illustrated. Yeah. They're all different mediums. Yeah, Eric B and Rock Kim on the other side. It's a wonderful situation. Make sure you pick up the hip hop family tree. This is not an advertisement. This is just Where'd you get that from? Uh great story. <laughs> Do you really want to know where I got it from? I mean I'm curious, but I don't know if like you, uh, so, you want to tell it. <laughs> so uh just a real quick career story. So you know I started my career as an educator. Yeah. Uh specifically People think educated think, oh, you was a teacher. Now, I tried to be a teacher, and I failed uh, uh, amazingly six times, two semesters. How did that happen? How do you get five, six times, two semesters? And I want you to know it wasn't fall, spring semester. It was summer, fall, part of, part of spring semester. Damn, how do you get five, six times? Because I wasn't supposed to be a classroom teacher. Okay. So uh, uh, knowing that my gift was in education, what's up? Maybe this is what you were... But see, unfortunately, in the classroom, you can't roll the blunts for the students to keep real. Right. You know what? One time I got fired. I've told this story before. One time I got fired from a job. Um, I was teaching at a middle school. This, I think, is my second teaching position. I was teaching math at a middle school. It was in New Orleans, seventh grade, summer school. And these students needed to pass some type of assessment so they could move on to the eighth grade. There was no, and I think there still is no, uh, public school system in New Orleans. Um, so it's just all these dumbass rules for how students can go from grade to grade. Anyway, teaching math. Teaching math, uh, first week, I'm trying to teach fractions, and man, I can't get past the definition of numerator <laughs> without students just not taking it seriously. They just like, they like clowning in class, they falling asleep, they trying to be on their phones, they trying to leave. I had a student at one time that just hid in the corner for the whole class. And I was like, what the fuck? What? Now, mind you, I'm 22 at the time. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> I don't really know what the fuck I'm doing. The most, the most experience in education I had at this point was being a jumpstart 
instructor yeah. and teaching three to five year olds how to socialize. That's oh. the most education experience I had at the time. <laughs> then they sent us through these little dumbass classes or whatever. So anyway, uh, uh, the reason I get fired from my second teaching job is because while in this math class, I was trying to implore to these students how uh, important education was. So one day I didn't teach math. Mm-hmm. One day, instead of teaching math, I taught I taught a complete civics lessons about the sit-ins that happened in North Carolina. How students after class would go sit into these diners and willfully participate in exercises that brought them physical harm, so that other students in generations that they may never see could also be liberated and sit in these diners and be able to eat and be able to be educated, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I taught that I taught that in the class. I happened to get a surprise. Um, uh, uh, evaluation that day, mm-hmm. right? So I taught that in class. The next day in class, no problem. No problem. Next four or five days in class, I had no problem from the students. Because every time the students got out of control, I, I would turn on my projector and just put a student, I put a picture of the girl from the Greensboro sit in mm-hmm. at the table of the diner, getting sh- just shit, shit it on, throw yeah. shit on. And niggas would just start, just they stop talking. They look up and be like, okay, for sure. Well, right. let's get back to these numerators. Around <laughs> or whatever. Whatever the fuck you got going on, let's get to that. Yeah. I get called in a week later to discuss my evaluation. Yeah. These niggas fired me. For what? They said that I was insubordinate and I taught lessons deliberately outside of the math field. Um, oh, and then like, oh, so then when they called me in after the evaluation, this evaluation, they gave me an assignment to like explain why I thought civics was more important than math in this situation. And I was like, I'm not doing that. So all those three things put together, they fired me. That's how I got fired the first time. We started this conversation to say, um, how did I get this particular book? (laughs) When I was at the Boys and Girls Club, so I get fired from a teacher, I recognize maybe classroom classroom and formal teaching at the thing, so maybe I need to go to after school with more informal education. Yeah. I remember when I first came back to D.C., I was trying to find ways to teach lessons in barbershops, in mm-hmm. which there is a program that does that, which you can read books to kids in barbershops, oh, black nice. barbershops specifically. Yeah. Don't let me pull out my uh, nonprofit bag. I flex on y'all real fast. Mm-hmm. I was the man in the nonprofit bag. I was the man in the streets. Anyway, uh, uh, what's up, Owen? Good morning. Chris Allen. Oh, don't make... What a spaghetti. What a spaghetti. It's dead. It's dead. Oh, don't make me get up. Get Man, kill. <laughs> don't make me get started. Anyway, so Boys and Girls Club, um, one of my lifelong dreams as a kid was to be a director at the Boys and Girls Club because one of my biggest inspirations, his name was Bomani. Uh, he worked at the Boys and Girls Club. He told me about Sade. He told me about all these nuances of black and West Indian culture. When I was living in Missouri at the time, like I was like one of four black kids uh, uh, in my like accelerated classes. So this dude really helped me expose, educated me in a very informal way about very essential black things. I learned about Frankie Beverly and Mays from that nigga from the Boys and Girls Club, mm-hmm. right? So one of my lifelong goals was to be a director of the Boys and Girls Club. It happened. One of my responsibilities was to be over this uh, literacy grant. And so I remember in Jumpstart, they told us that like in order to get children excited about books, the actual delivery of the book has to be a special moment. Because you remember that shit. And if you can tie great moments to great activities, then you'll continue to do them as adults. Right. Right. That's the whole theory. Uh, And because I'm not in the formal classroom, this is where it gets fun. Because I'm not in a formal classroom, I'm not worried about spelling tests. I'm not worried about vocabulary shit. I'm not worried about illiteracy. I'm not worried about teaching people how to read. 
Mm-hmm. I'm worried about on a more foundational level, how do I get people to love how to read? Mm. Regardless if they can or not, how right. can I get a kid to be like, I want to read. I want to be invested in literature today, yeah. tomorrow, and the next day. So one of those things was book fairs. Y'all remember the book fair? Remember the school after book fairs should come through? Love the the beautiful, fair. love the book fair, right? Yeah. The one thing I always found about the about the book fair is that you had to pay. Yeah. So I was like, fuck that. <laughs> so whenever whenever semester started, whenever report cards were coming out, we did registration book fairs and report card book fairs, mm-hmm. which means all even if you failed every class, you got a you got one book per F. That was my, my scale was you get like three books per A and B, two books per C and D, one book per F. And all you got to do is bring me your report card. Mm -hmm. Be brave enough to come to your education director and say, here's my report card. What can you do? Mm -hmm. After that, so what I used to do was look up all the best books. That's why I have all the children's books down there by the Mm, way. I used to look for all the coolest and blackest intersection books to buy with grant money to give away to kids on the South Side. Nice. That's one of them. <laughs> one ticket. One, you could have an F. I'm about to cry right now. You could have an F, but you could learn everything about fucking hip hop. All you had to do was be able to, and every kid did it. Every kid would eventually come in my office, knock on the door, like, man, you know, Miss Brown, I'm not doing well in history. That's all right, nigga. We're the Boys and Girls Club. We're yeah. going to get you to learn to love history. You might not know a goddamn thing that's in your classroom. That's not my job. That's your teacher job. Yeah. <laughs> my job is to get you to learn this shit. I yeah. got you. I got you. That's what's up. This is where that shit comes from. I miss that part of my career. Oh, but dreams grow, man. Dreams grow. Anyway, we had, um, <laughs> let me roll this book. Wait, but but why do you have it though? Why do I have it? Yeah. Oh, cause I used to take I used to take one. <laughs> so like, if I ordered ten, I took one. You only gave away nine. What do you mean? Why do I have? Oh, I didn't oh, know. I thought, I thought that was implied. No, 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 no. I thought you were only getting like one copy of each book. I didn't oh, know you no, were getting no. like multiple. Get, um, there is a there is a program called if you're in the nonprofit world, this shit might this shit might you might love this. It's called First Book, and you can apply. For grants within first book, but you can also spend like, oh my god, it's crazy. So what first book does is like they'll sell you they'll sell you a package of books wholesale, mm-hmm. half off. Oh wow! Because first book will buy the other half of your quote unquote package, right? So what you should do is like you can, you should have crates was a mm-hmm. good example. This was one of the things. So you can get a crate of Cat in the Hats. Oh wow! So a crate of Cat in the Hats is one hundred and twenty eight copies of Cat in the Hat. Yeah. Put that at the book fair. Every kid now has a copy. There's like 300 kids that come to the Boys and Girls Club on the South Side. So yeah. like 128 copies of Cat in the Hat, 128 copies of Green Eggs and Ham, uh, real easy Dr. Seuss shit. And now we get things like uh, Matt, uh, Max Found Two Sticks, which is a black book. Mm-hmm. Amazing Grace, which is a black book. Um, there's a little baseball book down there, like the little, uh, I showed it on the show yeah. one time. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, uh, the Negro Leagues book with these beautiful animations. Mm-hmm. You remember when you were a kid, you would see like the Coretta Scott, Scott King Award yeah. and all these awards that would be in front of books. So I would just get crates of those. True. Hundred dollars. Oh well. Two hundred books. First book was love, and then just do that shit. Part now, part of the 
Now, I was I wanted your report card, of course, because I was the education director. But also part of the grant requirement is I needed your report card. So you <laughs> could report to the grant so we can get more money. Yeah. So essentially, you got this ecosystem, what's supposed to be happening here. Man, I really, I miss those days. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> the, I would not go back to that job, but the, the, the report card, book fairs, man. Hmm. Man, those are fun. Um, <laughs> Shelly Bell says a crate of cat in the hats. Uh, that was first book. I was just telling the story of, I think it's first book. Yeah, first book. I was just telling the story of my early nonprofit days of how we would get uh, crates mm-hmm. and crates of books and then give them away during school registration times and during uh, report card times. And even if you had all S, you had six classes and you got all S, well, you were getting six books. Okay, that's how we're going to work it out. <laughs> Anyway, welcome back. What? Who way you make will you be? Mo, yeah. Oh, it's not there, but Shelly Bell says, uh, yes, I was a librarian at an elementary school. So then you know, <laughs> you know, where all the flies niggas come from? Like the education system. Do we just know better? Is that what it is? Is it just installed in us? instilled in us, permanent in us to always be trying to seek the best for other people so that people can learn and people can grow and people can evolve. Is that is that is, is that the teacher's creed? Is that what whoever the creators sketched in our DNA? Hey make sure niggas got this shit. Hey check for understanding. <laughs> <laughs> my one teacher joke. Anyway, um, Malice in the Palace. Now, Delia and I sat down and watched this untold documentary episode on the brawl that happened in Detroit between the Detroit Pistons, Indiana Pacers, and the Detroit Piston fans. Let me ask you a question, Lady in the House. Had you been aware of the situation prior to us watching the documentary? And what did you know so I can roll this blunt? Uh, I've heard of it. I I only heard of it through my brother, who is a sports fan. Um, I didn't know what the situation was, but I remember him like saying Malice in the Palace a bunch, and I'm like, what is that? Like, is this some shit he made up or you know? Yeah, I didn't really know the extent of it. You thought your brother made up Malice in the Palace? Yeah, he, he used to make up shit all the time. True, true, true. That does sound like some, um, uh, uh, Don King shit, like <laughs> Rumble in the Jungle. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thriller in Manila. Yeah. <laughs> the Malice at the Palace, or the Malice in the Palace. So the Malice in the Palace happened, I think, in 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. So it's been about 16, 17 years since this incident has happened. Yeah. Um, and, and, much like the Allen Iverson, uh, we talking about practice press conference. Mm-hmm. Looking back at this situation, uh, looking into the media, listening how they respond, watching how David Stern responded as a commissioner of the NBA at the time. It's a whole bunch of anti-black happening. Yeah. It's a whole lot of anti-black <laughs> happening in 2003, 2004, 2005. Um, so just to give a, a brief overview for the individuals, because I read the book one time, that sports is an alienating topic. Uh, just to give a brief overview of what the Miles in the Palace was. 
uh, in, I think this is 2004, 2004-2005, in the 2004-2005 NBA season, during a game between the Indiana Pacers, which had Ryan Artest, uh, Steven Jackson, Reggie Miller, Jalen Rose. Uh, they were playing a game against their rival, who at the time were the Detroit Pistons, who was Ben Wallace, uh, Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, one of the best teams in NBA history, okay? So during the regular season game, what happens is a brawl happens on the court, regular pushing and shoving. That pushing and shoving translates to fans in the stands interacting with players on the court. Violence erupts. David Stern comes out and suspends uh, Ron Artest for the rest of the season and then gives unprecedented uh, uh, long, long-term long suspensions to Steven Jackson, Ben Wallace, and other players between the two teams. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I say it's a whole lot of anti-black going on is because before we even look into the situation, I recall that as a... Oh, Jermaine O'Neal. Right, right, right. Jermaine O'Neal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recall as a as a response to this situation, the NBA, as with I heard with the commentators in the documentary, the NBA was trying to get away from the image that the players of the NBA were thugs. Right. And so what was David Stern's response? A dress code. That's where the dress code came from? That's where the dress code came from. Oh, wow. A dress code. You can't wear X, Y, and Z to the game. You have to wear professional clothing. Where's your suit and tie, nigga, when you come to work? I thought it was AI. It was AI. Mm. That's what I'm saying. When I look back and I see these, when I look back and I I hear the rhetoric that sport journalists were talking with, when I hear the rhetoric that the commentators were talking with, when I see the difference between justice in the NBA and justice in the American court system, let me let me tell you something. If the at the at the end of the at the end of the mouse at the palace, everybody went to court, right? Mm. Uh, niggas didn't get charged. Maybe misdemeanor assault and battery, at most. And I think mm. Jermaine O'Neal got misdemeanor assault and battery. But for for all intents and purposes, the American justice system said. Oh, y'all are justified in protecting yourselves. Yeah. But yet the NBA said, y'all niggas don't deserve millions of dollars and to be able to do your job. The I repeat that. The American justice system looked, sorry, <laughs> looked at these six, seven black men who were considered thugs by the NBA and said, y'all good. But then the NBA said, y'all thugs and you can't play. Hit the button for me. I don't know about you. I really don't know about you. But I think I would rather, wouldn't, if you are on the wrong side of the American justice system, (laughs) I feel like that's a problem. Yeah. And I don't mean on the wrong side like the right side. I mean, you took it further. Yeah. The American justice system. Yeah. Anti black like a motherfucker. Right. And so we're watching the watch the documentary, and one of the things I feel like the documentary didn't do a great job of was holding the fire to David Stern. Now David Stern is dead. Mm-hmm. So I understand that maybe niggas want to be sensitive, folks want to be, you know what I'm saying, empathetic towards the situation. 
But nah, that shit wasn't cool. <laughs> no. David Stern is dead, but Ron Artest is still alive. Right. Jermaine O'Neal is still alive. Steven Jackson is still alive. And while these individuals, except for Jermaine O'Neal, have become larger than the mistakes that happened within the malice in the palace, <clears throat> the reputations are still stained by these situations. Right. And when I look at, when I watched, hey, I hope, how you doing? When I watched really? Malice in the Palace, mm -hmm. I didn't see an indictment. I didn't see anything wrong with Ron Artest. I didn't see anything wrong with Jermaine O'Neal. I didn't see anything wrong with Steven Jackson. I saw the fans. I saw audience members mm -hmm. getting on stage and fighting the players. Right. You don't do that. Throwing drinks in their face, like you go to Hamilton and throw drinks in Limoran Manda's face, <laughs> although he deserves it. <laughs> you don't throw tomatoes at Lynn Miranda, and he's walking trash. You mean to tell me two of the greatest defensive players in the world deserve being their face? What? <laughs> you do that? Ugh. And then of course, when we look into the stands, who did who who? who Name the race of the people that was fighting. <laughs> I don't want me to do that. <laughs> we already know. Because that ain't my business. Right. I'm not about, I for damn sure am not finna get on no basketball court. I see, I see the one white boy accidentally <laughs> run up on Ron Artest? Yeah. Hell no, that had been the scariest moment of my life. You accidentally run up? That's like me versus a mountain. What? What are you doing? What are you doing? You are going to be destroyed. Ron Artest is the size of three men, and that is not an exaggeration. <laughs> so anti-black. Right. They said, and here's another thing. Here's another thing I'm also thinking about. Before this game, one of, my, one of my favorite parts of the documentary is they, they detail the mental health issues of Ron Artest. This is 2003, 2004. Ron Artest, Ron Artest is traveling with a psychologist, psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. He's traveling with his doctor. They have sessions at halftime. Ron Artest, before the season starts, not too long before this game, says to the Indiana Pacers, I need a break. Mm hmm I have to leave. Said he was going to retire. This sound familiar to you? Yeah. They forced him to play. And what happened? <laughs> that makes me want to investigate how we have glorified sports athletes in the past. Right. Ron Artest that night while defending himself, that's some of the scariest shit I've ever seen. But that's a man that's on the edge, that's been pushed over the edge. He said he needed a break. They told him no. Even in the documentary, Reggie Miller is still laughing like, you need a break at the beginning of the season? Just want to say Simone and Naomi not having that shit. Yeah. Not having it! And I love it. I love it. I love it. At the end of the documentary, Stephen Jackson says that the team that the Indiana Pacers had should have won a championship. 
They had the best defensive team. They had one of the best Hall of Famers on their team at the time. They should have won that championship. And everybody looks at the malice in the palace as the reason why they didn't win that championship. That ain't it. Indiana Pacers, Larry Bird and them, didn't give Ron Artest the time he needed. Didn't give him the mental space that he needed. That he requested. He requested gracious, graciously first. And then acted an ass to see if he could get suspended. And then the malice in the palace happened. Come on, y'all. Have we been treating our athletes like ass? Expecting too much of them? They are people first. Huh? They are people first. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I feel like we don't look at athletes like people first. That's we the problem. Exactly. 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 What did Lauren say? My dad had to retire football to get a break. Sheesh. Hey, y'all, we having some troubles over here with our... Uh, with our comment feed. So if you had some comments, Jerron, why don't you have some comments a second ago? If you had some comments, throw those comments back into the feed real fast so we can we can read those. We definitely want to investigate what you're saying. We definitely want to hear the, the voice of the people. I think he said um, he didn't know who he was more annoyed with, the NBA, the media spin, or the fans trying to get a 15 minutes of fame and get their kick out of it, no pun intended. That's pretty much what he said. Oh, yeah. I, we are still under the F right now. You know, I'm working under new blueprints. Uh, uh, and as we are trying to identify new blueprints, new ways that we can then lead ourselves into, into, into liberation, I have definitely been in the investigation of sports media. Mm -hmm. One of my very unpopping clips right here on the channel is the fact that we need new blueprints specifically for how black men talk about black men on a daily basis. Every day you can watch a black man talking negatively about another black man on TV for free. Every day. It's easy. Easy. Switch over to ESPN right now and I bet you within two minutes you'll hear a negative statement from a black man talking about another black man. Meaning to say that if blackness exists, even in stereotype and majority within sports and entertainment, we have to be cognizant about how black folks talk about other black folks within sports and entertainment. Right. I feel like I'm real Dr. Carr right now on my Africana report, on my Africana uh, approach. Who are we to each other? First, before who we are to the world, to white people, how do we govern each other? What is that question? How do we answer that? What do I say? Um, look at how mad we go when NBA players would sit out games because they needed rest and we mad because they wouldn't play in the games we wanted. Right. Right. There is a whole, oh, and you know it. I don't know, again, sports is a very, it's a very uh, uh, divisive topic because not everybody follows sports. But this year, not even this year, in the last, what, six, seven years, this whole thought, this whole uh, 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 idea that load management is a bad thing, that these players aren't tough enough or strong enough to survive a season, uh, has really been ringing through sports media. Perfect example is Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard uh, has a fragile body, per se, mm -hmm. and some games he doesn't play, and they call it load management. He's not hurt. He's not tired. They just don't want to play him for this game so they can save him for another time. 
And the sports media people call that shit all types of cowardice, all types of weak, all types of ass, all types of trash, all types of everything. But then when Kawhi Leonard hurts himself from exhaustion, nothing to say. Right. No apologies. No, maybe you was right. No admissions of wrong. No, maybe I'm guilty. No admissions of accountability of the actions of pressuring towards the situation. It's just, oh, I'm the media. Why are you listening to me? Nigga, because you're talking. Lauren said, yes, we think that if an athlete makes a certain amount of money, they should be able to handle it. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. How many hours a day do you think Elon must work? <laughs> Seriously. Oh, it's not a rhetorical question? No. How many days do you think he actually, how many hours a day do you think he actually labors? And I don't mean answering questions about what he should do. None. Right. <laughs> Leave these folks alone, man. Yeah, I know what it is. I know what it is. I know what it is. If you black and you big, you got to put in labor in this country. Yeah. Nigga, you out here not using your body? Right. You not entertaining me? That's all sports is. It's just entertainment. Mm-hmm. How dare you be this big, this black, and this integral to a culture that I created? Black man, and you, you gonna choose to use your body? You gonna choose to use your body when you want to? How dare you? And I hate to say it, I know it's gonna sound out of left field, they're gonna be like, what, Vimo? Why, why you say that? They going too hard on the baby. <laughs> They going too hard on the baby. Let me let me put it this way: they going too hard on the baby for the wrong thing. Okay, that's fair. I don't hear much about this whole Tory situation. I don't hear. I still don't hear much about the goddamn kids, which is a motherfucking shame. You can't get them kids no two hundred dollars. But you're gonna use them for your social media. Get the fuck out of here. If I asked the baby right now to be on my social media, he'd charge me. Get the fuck out of here. This the same nigga that was spending money to elongate concerts that would eventually get him canceled. Ain't that some shit? <laughs> but no, nigga. You can't be talented, black, confident, and especially a man in this country without answering to our rules. So no, you don't get to rest your body without uh, 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 ridicule. No, you can't make a mistake in public without ridicule. You're done. You are black. You have one chance. You think the benefit of the doubt is on your side? This shit is wild. I was asked yesterday, I didn't want to talk about the baby, but I was asked yesterday what I think the solution, what I think the, the, the justice is for someone like the baby. Uh, do I think it is economic uh, uh, 
economic distress? Do I think you should lose some shit? What do I think my solution is? And I said with a straight face, it should be the Red Table Talk. And he just <laughs> laughed. Like, you just laughed. What you mean, Red Table Talk? Not necessarily the Red Table Talk with Jada. Okay. But you need to be called to the table with your elders, with the people who know better than you, publicly, and be taught publicly, and be made aware publicly from a cultural standpoint, from the individuals that you trust within the culture. You need to be made publicly accountable and rectified for your situation. Now for Snoop Dogg, that was a red table talk. For the baby, it should be something similar. The culture needs to reprimand you publicly. All this losing money shit, cool. But like cancel culture, that to me is just the initiation of justice or reparative justice. You taking away things from a nigga is just the start. Well, the true reformation is, is in the education. Now, again, Shelly Bell, maybe I'm just an educator, okay? Maybe I'm just a teacher. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just a fool-hearted, greatest fool. But you set this nigga the baby out in the streets again right now, what you think he gonna do? You think he got respect for the HIV community? You think he got respect for the LBGT community? You think he's learned respect for black women within his time? No. <laughs> this nigga has gotten angrier yeah. and broker. Mm-hmm. And now has allies of Lil Boosie and T.I. This is how you create a villain. Lord. Sit this nigga in a room with Billy Porter. Billy Porter and Drake. Or Billy Porter and, uh, uh who's somebody? Billy Porter and, 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 and Lil Wayne. Put this nigga in a room with them. Shut up, nigga. Listen and learn from Lil Wayne. Because you're going to lose some money from this. Billy Porter, here's what the fuck it is, bro. I'm straight. I got HIV. I'm gay. I sucked a nigga dick in the parking lot just a minute ago. What's up? You can have your views. You was wrong. We want to hold you accountable. We love you. Now go on and grow. We making a fucking feeling right now. We are making another little Boosie. Boosie fading off. She's crazy. What we got? We lost it again. My phone's too hot. <laughs> that what did you say? Yeah, it says it needs to cool down before I can use it. Oh my god. Um. Well, Drew says if you're black and you're big, you got to put in labor. Man, how often have I heard that? Oh my goodness. Drew is six for you. Six for four. Oh wow. Geronimo says, "Oh I remember how pissed people were during the NBA lockdown in." Lockout in 98. Lost a sizable fan base because of it. Thought players shouldn't be complaining because they get paid so much. Right. And are they paying? The people who are making those complaints, are they the ones signing the check? Right. The fuck are we talking about? Uh, you see my iPad over there? That shit is hella hot, though. She was crazy as the lady of the house goes gets the uh, uh, another device. Our commenting control device has failed us at the moment. Um, so y'all just hang in with me. 
why I continue to, to roll the blunt. It has been 44 minutes and we have not even started to roll the blunt. What have we been talking about? <laughs> it came back? Yeah. I put it in front of the fan. <laughs> it worked? Yeah. It's just crazy. It's still hot, though. Okay, I was talking about. Uh, I was the baby. The Before I was talking about the baby, I was talking about. Malice in the palace. Malice in the palace. I don't know. Uh, one of the original. Wake and bake would be more theories or questions that led to a theories is uh, um, what is the role if you are black how can you experience failure are you allowed to fail if you are black thus leading to the overall theory of black mid matters hmm should you be allowed? What is the role of failure if you are black in America? Another little subplot about the malice in the palace that I find is interesting. They say that Jermaine Dupree caught the worst of the reputation because Jermaine Dupree stayed on the Pacers. He hasn't had much of a like explosive career afterwards. So when people think about Jermaine Dupree, Jermaine, Jermaine O'Neal. <laughs> I was like Jermaine Dupree. Jermaine Dupree. Well, think about people think about Jermaine O'Neal, they think about the malice in the palace. They think about the malice in the palace. Um, so, uh, uh, I find it interesting that they, when people think about Meta World Peace, which is his name now, not Ron Artest, yeah. he was able to escape the reputation because the next year he would go to the Lakers and win a championship. Mm -hmm. So if you are black and successful, you can run away from these situations. But Jermaine O'Neal, hashtag uh, Jermaine Dupree O'Neal, mm. um, could not. What is the role of failure if you are black in this country? Yesterday in our Creative Theory Wednesday meeting, we talked about uh, 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 being uncomfortable, uh, uh, and which led to the question, uh, how do you engage your own greatness? To me, it is risk. You have to be able to risk failure. And in America, according to Jermaine O'Neal, <laughs> failure could very well be anti-blackness. Yeah. Interesting thoughts. Interesting thoughts. Let me ask you, me ask you a, a, a really random question, sweetheart. What's up? How do you think Beyonce feels about Brianna's billion dollars? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, Just off the top of your head. I would hope she's proud. What was her second emotion then? You think she feel away? Maybe, yeah. I'd feel away. I'd feel away. <laughs> okay. Not that again. I don't. Because capitalism will neither uh, will not save us. 
and has more of a likelihood to destroy us. I don't know what to do with niggas when they get all this money. I'm very, I have very confused emotions. Doc, thank you, Dr. Jared Ball. I'm very confused. I'd feel a kind of way if I was Beyonce. Why is that, though? And here's why I feel a way. Maybe because this is just me being Beyonce. Be Moanse, if you will. <laughs> Be Moanse. Be Moanse. Here's how I feel a type of way. I'm Beyonce. Right. Don't I have more of a cultural touch than any other woman on the planet? But I feel like a person's value isn't tied to their wealth. No. What's Beyonce's net worth right now? It's four, I think it's 450. I'd be upset because I'd be like, I feel like I'm more fashionable than Rihanna. <laughs> First of all, Beyonce was not pulling looks like that until she got a stylist like a few years ago. Word? Yeah. She used to be wearing crazy outfits in public. Okay, what's new to me? <laughs> this, is, this is new to me. Where my bag at? I need my chocolate. That? Oh. Uh, what? Your, your book bag? Uh, I don't know. I'd be like, well, I feel like I'm a better musician. I feel like I have more of a cultural touch. I feel like I have more fans. I feel like more people are checking for me. How come I haven't been able to convert that into, into billions? Because Rihanna's money don't come from music. It comes from Fenty. Right. Same thing with Kanye's money. It don't come from... It ain't coming from Donda. Yeah. It's coming from Yeezy. Right. Ivy Park not hitting like that? I see more... Or do I? What? I'm about to say, do I see... I see more Ivy Park influencers than Fenty That is not true. Absolutely not. I? Exactly. <laughs> Everybody's uh, a Fenty influencer. Ex, ex, precisely. <laughs> Everybody. Exactly. From your favorite uh, YouTube uh, vlogger with 90K subscribers. She don't even got 90K. Who? <laughs> Jayla. She don't? No. I think she got like 50. She might have a little more, but yeah. Huh. Yeah, she's not that big. I don't know. I'd be looking at the billionaire next I'd be looking to the billionaire next to me like, as Beyonce? Yeah. Or B Moanse? As B Moanse, I'd be looking to the B, the the billionaire I sleep next to like, hey yo, what the fuck? <laughs> I, Why we both don't got no billion? Wait a minute. I'd be like, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. That's what I'd be like, wait, 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 wait. Rihanna got a bill? Off of Fenty? Ivy Park not popping like that? Ho, well, what the fuck we doing? I That'll be my first question. What the what are we doing? Ivy Park isn't as accessible as Fenty. It's a lot more expensive than yeah. Shit, and neither is Moet. But it's still it's still <laughs> billions of dollars. Is it? LVMH, yes. Oh, LVMH, yeah. I'm just saying, as a capitalist myself, I would be thinking like, okay, I'm 450 mil. My direct competition. The person who people say I shit on, your junior husband, your young ones, both of them got bills. You're my manager. 
You literally my manager. Where are my billions? Now, I, I see, I, I, maybe Beyonce don't think like that because I feel like Beyonce is a benevolent, benevolent person. But somebody on the Beyonce team thinking like that, I know if I was, I know if I was her account manager at Rock Nation, I'd be nervous because eventually the question's going to come. Rihanna is, is what, 35? 30? Two? I think she's, what is she, 30, 32, 33? Beyonce about to turn... 40? 40. Longer career. More fans. More impact. That's what I would be thinking. If I was the if I was the junior assistant to Beyonce's manager on Rock Nation, that's the question I'm asking in the meeting on Monday. Why we don't got bills? How come we halfway there? What happened? It wasn't the babies. She's been there for a long time. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. She hasn't moved from this, but that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I don't think it has to be the competition between two women. I'm not trying to tout that situation as if two women can't be successful. Sorry, sweetheart. I'm not trying to be of that. But I'm curious, though, if I'm Beyonce. I'm curious. Pull up the sales reports. And also, I heard, like... the portfolio? What's up? What'd you say? Ivy Park is always, like, sold out. According well, to what I'm... we got no stuff. Because they... I think it's, like... They probably do, like, a limited stock... Amount of stock or whatever. Hmm. I just be I, I don't know. Again, capitalism doesn't save us, yeah. right? And just because you have more money doesn't mean that you're more successful. Yeah. I would say that Beyonce still has a more cultural impact. I don't know if the limited edition of the Ivy Park or the fact that she only engages in influencers who are truly moving the culture on a mass level, not just your not just your random podcast with five thousand listeners. Mm-hmm. And because. I would say Ivy Park is a little more conservative. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe maybe she's not thinking like that. And they also have two completely different business models too. Because even with uh, Savage, she has the the monthly thing. So right. like, yeah, yes. exactly. exactly, right, right. That's all. That those would be the questions I'm asking if I'm Beyonce. Mm-hmm. Wait, hold on. Fenty Rihanna's a, is a billionaire. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do we? Do? Is that our goal? Right. It's just time to be real now. My peer, not even my peer, my junior has outwealthed me. Mm-hmm. My husband's junior is almost about to outwealth him. Is there something we should be doing differently? Yeah. Because she's 1.2, I think. Crazy. Yeah. Let's read some of these comments before they go away. Um, The role of... the. The role or the result of failure. Oh, in the black community? Yeah. Probably more so the result. Probably more so the result. You're only as good as the last or best worst thing. That was the last best or worst thing you've done. That's trauma. Failure is a professional death sentence almost. White people can be mediocre and get another chance. Black people don't have that luxury. No. 
I only feel a way about Rihanna because she's younger than me with billions and I have to risk my life in COVID to go out and hustle a few hundred dollars. <laughs> Other than that, I'm happy for her. <laughs> no thanks, though. About to go die out here. <laughs> Rihanna's selling drawers from the crib. What's up, Lucky? Good morning. Uh, Geronimo says, I don't... Lukey, maybe? I don't think she feels a way, and not because I'm a Beyonce fan or stan. Judging from her, her Harper's Bazaar interview, I think she's made peace in the past. She's walked and is still walking. Facts. Again, I totally agree. I think Beyonce don't give a fuck. In the most passive, piece of, peaceful way, she don't care. Right. But if I'm on the... What I'm saying is if I'm on the Beyonce team, if I'm the A&R, if I'm the promoter, if I'm the graphics person, I don't know. If I'm in a staff meeting on Monday, if I'm in a staff Monday meeting on Monday, I have questions. I have questions. Maybe I've always had these questions, but I have questions. Are we cool at just a hundred at four hundred fifty mil? If we cool at just four fifty mil, cool. I'm riding with you. But if we want to grow, maybe we need to look left. If we want to financially grow, maybe we should look left. Go ahead. Mrs. My Puppy said it's the other streams of revenue. Riri has way more products and businesses over Beyonce. Facts. Yeah, exactly. Why? Rihanna's hustling more than Beyonce business-wise to me. True, true. And then she says facts with Ivy not being accessible. Yeah. That shit worse than uh, worse than worse than fucking Jordans. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that shit. At least Telfair figured it out. <laughs> Rihanna figured it out. Beyonce, are we not trying to be inclusive? I uh oh, not oh. I'm oh. sorry, I'm not supposed to be charging black women up on 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 Bagel Move Bmo. Keep going. Who we got? Victoria says I would feel more about Hove the billionaire than I would Re unless she's content with Ivy Park. Beyonce often speaks about wanting to be with her kids, and Re just has to show up for dates. Morning, Tanisha B. I had a thought. What's up? If I was a billionaire right now, let's say I was a billionaire with a venture capitalist fund. I'd go after Beyonce. You what? I'd go after Beyonce. Let's say I was a billionaire black man with a venture capitalist fund with billions to spare, billions to invest, et cetera, et cetera. I'm investing in Beyonce. It's easy. You and I just sat here and saw, I think what might be the main differences between Ivy Park and Fenty. This might mean she'd have to leave Adidas. More than likely, this means she has to leave Adidas. Because it don't look like Adidas is giving her the same space or maybe she has to come to the partnership with adidas with something more more factories etc cetera, etc cetera. i don't know what the fuck it is but we got to make it more accessible right mm-hmm. not make beyonce more accessible because rihanna ain't put out no new album i ain't seen i ain't beyonce got a uh, interview right now i don't know the last time somebody talked to rihanna <laughs> i 
That's what I would do. I'd walk up to Beyonce, minus Hove, although he's a manager. Like, yo, I'm going to turn that 450 into three. What? Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Because you easy. That's easy. That's easy money right there. Keep reading the comments. My bad. Um, Victoria said, but also Yonce not broke. Sis not, might, might not be worried at all. Uh, she has a billionaire in the bed and millions in the bank. Hundreds of millions. Yeah. Keep going. What's up, Oja? Good morning. What's up, Ethos? Good morning, man. Maybe they aren't worried about growing from direct income but gaining long-term assets. That's a good point. Geronimo says, as an almost 40-year-old Virgo, I know if someone around me attempts to disturb my peace of mind, I'm blocking them so the Ivy Park account manager may not want to do anything too crazy. Right. That's why I said not. That's what I'm saying. If I'm the junior to the account, I'm asking the question in the management meeting. I'm not asking that shit to Beyonce. What? What? <laughs> what? I'm not asking Beyonce shit. You want to get fired? <laughs> Hell yeah, you get fired. That's what I'm saying. If I'm asking Beyonce to do something, I'm coming from a place of already being wealthy. And just investing. The same investment I would do with my artists right now is the same investment I would do with Beyonce. Except it wouldn't be cassettes, it'd be factories. You feel me? Yeah. I'm just what? Um, I got like, I got about like 29 now. So I'm about. Two billion nine hundred and ninety-nine million nine hundred and ninety-nine. Nope, nine hundred and ninety. Oh, nine thousand nine hundred. Fuck it. Only got twenty thousand dollars. Okay, <laughs> I'm that much short. Twenty thousand dollars minus three billion. That's how close I am. <laughs> He says Rihanna has made it her brand's business to not rely on music for relevance. Her financial impact or economic value at the level of price that reflects in the strategy deployed and its effect. The being of an icon is not financially viable. It's facts. That's very true. What's up, Jones? What's up, man? What's up, Kendall? Good morning. Uncle Jeff says, I'm always trying to figure out how one even obtains Ivy Park outside of her celebrity ambassadors. If I'm on Adidas website, I cannot go to a landing page that allows one to just buy. I think I, <clears throat> I think Ivy may just be a passion project in terms of the business model, which is okay, but it seems like a waste of energy since it's not accessible to most people. Facts. Danny, Danny. Facts, though, Uncle Jeff. A passive. Right. Big facts, Uncle Jeff. Look, y'all, uh, it's been an hour three. You know what I need y'all to do? A couple of things before you go. A couple of things before you go. Um, and maybe Tuesday we'll do a better job of this. So, not this Tuesday, not next Thursday. Next Tuesday, for sure, for sure, we're moving on to YouTube. I might do an Instagram Live from my phone, but my screen is cracked. So, if you want the better version, you got to go over to the YouTube situation. All right? Um, also, need y'all to check out 
Love Story by Michael Robinson. Now, I know sometimes just talking to people ain't enough. Okay? So, I'm going to need to, uh, we're going to have more uh, expressive ways that I can get this over to you. But if I want to give it to you, I'm going to look right at the camera. If I want to give it to you raw. You know when T-Pain said, we want something else? We want something different? I don't know when the last time you heard a good song or a song, if I'm being honest with you. It's been a whole bunch of vibes with no bridges out here. But my man got 16 of them. I'm not playing with you. I'm not playing with you. Love Story, Michael Robinson. If you go to the 12 people on here right now, if you go in your life and you say, man, they're not making, man, they're not making real music no more. I ain't heard a real song. If you one of the 13 people on this live right now and you say that in your life after I just told you, after I just told you about Michael Robinson's love story, you a motherfucker liar. <laughs> go listen to the album. Videos are coming. Cassettes are coming. CDs are coming. Videos are coming. I said videos already. More content is coming, of course. Of course, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But I just want to be honest with you right now. You want to hear some real music today? Today, right now. You want to hear some real music right now? Love story. Stream that shit. I don't like streams. Stream that shit. Lady of the house. You got any burning questions for the roach? Why you do that? I don't know. Uh-uh. <laughs> that was your burning question? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What are we talking about? Today, we initiated our conversation about hip-hop turning 50, which then led to a butterfly in the sky. <laughs> Reading rainbow moment. Okay. Um, then it turned into a story about my education days, which are always fun. Um, and then we talked about the malice in the palace, all the anti-blackness that was happening in 2004. Soldier Boy would come out that year, and it was anti-blackness happening in the mainstream media. Media, think about that. Our kids are gonna look back and be like, "That shit is crazy, Papa." They was really saying nigga at the concert while you was there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were. They still are. They still are. That shit's crazy, Pop Pop. Y'all had reparations? No. Because a child would say that shit's crazy. Yeah, he would. <laughs> he would. Because censorship in the future don't exist. <laughs> that shit's crazy, Pop Pop. <coughs> Y'all had two bathrooms? Yeah. I think that's the one that's going to break them out. Y'all had segregated bathrooms? <laughs> in the late 1900s? Wow. Yo, what's up, man? We want to thank y'all again. Uh, thank y'all again for joining us on Wake and Bake with B Mo Shababa. <laughs> we'll be back on Tuesday, not next, not this Tuesday, but following Tuesday. We'll be back on. We'll be on the YouTube. So you know what I'm saying. You can pull us up on your TV, pull us up in the background, so you can get to about your your daily. Your daily life. You can always listen to us on the podcast, which is on Apple Music and Spotify. Wake in, bake with BMO. Check us out at the bridge dot wibridge.com, WashingtonInformerBridge.com, or at WIBridge DC here on Instagram. We love the bridge. Love the bridge. 
Oh, ask your question, sweetheart. Sorry, I'm wrapping up. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, you, you have time? I got time. I don't know if it's a question or a statement, but you were talking about the book fair yeah. and missing education, and I was just mm-hmm. thinking about if there's a way to like tie that into your life now. Like if you could somehow do some type of Well, I want you to know the end goal. <laughs> could I do a book fair now? Yeah, like... Except I don't know if it has to be books. Well, I mean, can I be honest with you for a second? Sure. This might be I don't know. This might be too spicy for for the live. <laughs> What's up? Oh no, this might be too much. It might be too much. It might be too much. I'll tell you later. <laughs> but I feel like there are I feel like there are opportunities for me to do those things now. Yeah. But when I introduce them. In current situations, <laughs> it's frowned upon. It's too complicated. Okay. Keep it simple. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, crazy thing is that I had, a, I, I feel like the reason why the book fair is in my head is because I was thinking about that shit yesterday. I had an idea like, man, this would be really dope. Imagine if kids could come and it could be their moment. You know yeah. what I mean? Stifled. That's why you see all these hands over here. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to break out. Stifled. Stifled. Which means I gotta get back in my bag. I don't know. Where have I been? I've been doing a, I've been doing a whole lot of this. You feel me? Yeah. I think I've been scared. Of? Well, it ain't love that's keeping me away. What? Keeping my you away? Says my mom says, well, not keeping me away. Although the Freudian slip does make me feel like that's maybe how I feel. One, I feel like I haven't thrown my own event in a while. It's literally been almost been a year. In October, it'll be a year since the last Urbane. November, it'll be a year. That's the last event that I threw. I have financed, hosted, produced, invested in other people's events, but I haven't done anything since Urbane, November. It's fucking August, mid-August. The first season of Urbane, well, the second season of Urbane started mid-August last year. August, yeah. September, October, and November. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 it's not. It's not fear. It's not love. That's like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do the same thing again. I love the box. I don't want to do the box again. I want to do the box, but I don't want to do the box. So it's not. It's kind of location. I don't know. I haven't thrown my own event, so it's. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is. What's up, Gary? Good morning. Is it time? Probably. Probably time. I don't know. Is that your burning question? About the book fairs, yeah. 
Yeah. How could I incorporate the book fair into what I'm doing now? Yeah, or would you? Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. constantly thinking about kids. Yeah. I'm constantly thinking about what the next generation is thinking about, how they're interacting with people, how they're growing, how they're learning, how they're becoming <laughs> creative. Constantly thinking about that. And I feel like I'm constantly teaching, and it's annoying sometimes. So I just stay quiet sometimes. Would I incorporate that? Absolutely. Maybe I have to think about that. I have to think about doing that more directly. Because I think I have... Um, Etho says, if your idea seems too big or bold, that means you into greatness. That's true. Yeah. I can say this on live, though. So... Uh, as my as my creative career has taken off, my education career has kind of waned. Right, I volunteer and I teach as much as I as I possibly can. Uh, but the virtual nature of the pandemic and education has allowed me to extend extend, which I think is my lifeline in direct education. Next year, the program that I'm teaching with is going back to full time, full time, not full time, but like real life. In person. In person. Yeah. Which means that the concentrated 90 minutes of class that I'm able to do three times a week now goes to can you be on campus from for five hours a day? Okay. Cause I'm caught in between the two And I really want to be with you But you're telling me I should leave you alone Or leave you alone I'll see y'all on Tuesday Thank you for joining me for Wake and make we be more Yeah Good morning You got to say good morning. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs>